0: everyone. We're the Spaniard family, and we will be providing the reading tonight. The past four Sundays, we've lit the four candles on the wreath that represent hope, faith, joy, and peace. Tonight, we'll be lighting the white candle, which represents Jesus Christ, and how each of these find their fulfillment in him. Tonight, we'll be reading from John, chapter 1, verses 5 through 14. You span your family. Don't you love to hear kids read the Christmas story? Mm. Well, good evening. Okay, thanks three of you. That was very generous. Tough crowd tonight. Good Good evening. All right, all right. Welcome to everyone here. In the auditorium, and if you're watching out in uh, the venue or in the lobby space, or watching online tonight, we welcome you to Carney Free Church. So grateful that you chose to join us for worship tonight. My name's Adrian, and I'm one of the pastors here at Carney Free. And if we haven't connected, love to connect you after the service. As Carrie stated already, we have a church vision that's really, really simple, every person matters, and pray that you would know that as you come to this place tonight and any future Sunday, you matter to us, you matter to God, and we're so grateful, though, that you're here with us tonight. Y'all look great, you look marvelous, you look peaceful, are you just faking it? (laughs) Yeah, a bunch of fakers, I know. Well, we've made it, we made it through a very long holiday season. It used to be, I actually have memories from many years ago where it felt like there was some kind of a break in between the fall into Christmas holidays. Do you remember that? Like there was Thanksgiving, and then there was at least a couple weeks before you were starting to think about Thanksgiving. There's Halloween, at least a couple weeks, but before you started thinking about Thanksgiving. And then, at least in our home growing up, I remembered, and I think early on in my marriage, we had a nice, quiet, easy, low-key Thanksgiving followed by at least a, a week or maybe two weeks off before we really started focusing on Christmas. But now they're like all mashed together, aren't they? Starting somewhere in maybe mid-October, they all get mashed together such that one author has coined this happy Halloween, Thanksgiving, christmas a to you it's a complex holiday i mean not only do we have santa claus but we also now have elf on the shelf uh, there was a, a five-year-old boy who uh, was really upset with his dad he, he said dad why is it elf on the shelf doesn't come to our house and his dad kind of looked around the house and said well if you clean up the house a little bit better then maybe he'd come And the five year old boy, without missing a beat, he looked around the house and he said, It's not worth it. (laughs) Okay, so tonight we kind of put aside Elf on the Shelf. And we put aside Santa Claus. And we put aside Happy Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, a Palooza. And we just say, Merry Christmas. Christ is born. Christ is born and still he lives and we breathe it in I have kind of a love-hate relationship with Christmas maybe you do as well I I love it and I welcome it and I want it and then I kind of push against it at the same time (laughs) anyone else? like I, I love the gifts I enjoy giving and I enjoy receiving a few gifts I love the Christmas lights and all the smells and I love the candies too much and the family visitors and all of that, but I kind of push against it because I get tired of the crowds and the busy shopping centers and the parking lots and uh, the utter consumerism that can lead to Christmas debt after Christmas debt if we're not careful and turning the whole month of December into what feels like a never-ending pageant when life is busy enough already, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to add to the busyness of it, and I I feel that every Christmas season. But even more than that, I kind of have this kind of relationship with Christmas, I think, because over time, it can become routine for me. Maybe it's an occupational hazard, I don't know, but maybe you've experienced uh, some of the same that this beautiful story that we hear about can become routine. Like we've all heard about the Virgin Mary and the swaddling clothes and the baby born in a manger and the magi. And eventually it can kind of become routine that we're not amazed by it anymore. Artists have a term for this, they call it visual lethargy. And it's this idea that you can look at this beautiful piece of artwork 20 times, you look a canvas of a sunset over the Platte River 20 times, and it stuns you each and every time, but the 21st time, though, that you look at it, it just becomes part of the woodwork. You ever had that experience? That there's something beautiful that no longer stands out to you. It's visual lethargy. And this can happen, sadly, to our most important, our most beautiful stories, even this one. But this story, I'm telling you, if you, take a ta- if you take a step back and you look at it again, this story truly is extraordinary. In the generations before Jesus was born, God chose to reveal himself to a select small group of people called the Hebrews. And he would speak to these Hebrews again and again as he was seeking to create of a very small, really insignificant people, a nation. And out of this small and relatively insignificant nation, his plan was to bring blessing to other multi-ethnic people all around them. And he gave them a small army, and he gave them a small plot of land, and they would bring blessing over the generations to other nations with much larger armies and much larger plots of land. And they would live a different kind of lifestyle than the people around them, and they would be a blessing to those around them. And God whispered to them again and again across many hundreds of years, guiding them and leading them and preparing them through much suffering that one day a Messiah would be born to their people. The Savior came under really difficult circumstances. There were these years, even generations, of apparent quiet from God where this group of people was living under the oppressive thumb of a ruler by the name of Caesar, And the Roman Empire And before that the Greeks And before that the Persians And they were waiting They were longing for God to reveal himself And this young woman named Mary Learns through an angel That she will be with child And what is conceived in her Is the Messiah The long awaited son of God That these people have been waiting for Across all these generations Of oppression and heartache And she learns that the son of God is housed within her womb and she learns that he would be housed within their home and though she was an impoverished young unwed teenage mother she says yes to God and not only does she say yes to God but also her fiance a man named Joseph says yes to God and they no doubt encountered all kind of ridicule in their small town called Nazareth but they said yes and they voyage down to the home country of Bethlehem about 90 miles d- down the road where they would give birth to their newborn son and they couldn't find any place to lay. <laughs> couldn't find a home to go to, couldn't find an inn, couldn't find a motel and so you know the story. They go to a stable and in that stable she gives birth to a son and the first witnesses of the son of God are common farmers and ordinary people animals. Like every pair of young parents, after a day of this, they're ready to go home. They don't want to be in the hospital any longer. They don't want to be in the manger any longer than they absolutely have to. And so they get on that donkey and they're ready to go home. But as you know, they can't. Because there was a slaughter of innocent babies going on in their homeland. There's a man named Herod who learned of this coming king. And he said, I'm not going to have any of that. And he decided to kill all the children under the age of two in Galilee. And so Mary and Joseph take their baby south further into Egypt where they find refuge there for the boys' early years. Christmas is no fairy tale. Not even close. It shows us that persecution and suffering are a normal part of life. Christmas shows us that dysfunctional families are actually kind of normal. Amen? They're everywhere. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Christmas reminds us of the need to protect the vulnerable around us. Christmas reminds us that no matter what dark situation we might be in, The love of God, the light of God can punch through it all. And Christmas reminds us that no matter how unloved you might feel today, God's love comes to you in a way that's greater than any of our feelings could even hold. When when Christ came to this world, he came bearing gifts. We talk about Christ receiving gifts, but Christ came bearing gifts. And there are many that we could talk about here this evening but I want to talk about just two gifts that Christ came to bring from that passage in John though, that we just heard. The first one is this, the gift of Christmas, well when Christ came is light in the darkness, light in the darkness though, that we experience even today. Christmas story is this repeated theme of God punching through the darkness and bringing his light. Listen to a couple of these verses from John 1 that we just heard together. John 1, 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light punches through, and the darkness cannot overcome the light that comes into this world. Then it goes on to verse 9, and it says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This light that would come through this Savior named Jesus wasn't for a small select group of people, but for the entire world, every age, every every demographic, every race, every people all over the world, for every one of us in here and every person that we can think of, Jesus came for them as well. And then it says finally over in Matthew chapter 4, the people living in darkness the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death a great light has dawned let me ask you this question have you felt in 2019 at any time that you felt like you were living in darkness is there anyone here that felt that way I did Our town, our community, our state went through so much in 2019. You perhaps went through something individually, whether it be a broken relationship or some kind of injustice or some kind of great pain that results in this feeling of darkness. Perhaps the greatest objection to Christianity and certainly the most pervasive one that I hear as a pastor goes something like this. God doesn't care about our world. God doesn't really care about my world. Perhaps you've thought that. I'm sure you've heard that from someone at some point or another. I'm sure you've felt that. God doesn't really care about my world. God doesn't care about the world that we live on. And right into the middle of that, into the middle of that emotion that that, that God doesn't really care about my world, is these two beautiful symbols of Christianity. The two greatest symbols of Christianity are the manger and the cross. To this thought that God doesn't care about my world, we have the manger, which which signifies God's personal identification with you. Anytime you look at the manger on Christmas morning, you want to remember God chooses to personally identify with you. He chose to take on flesh and blood to draw near to you right where you are. Christmas signifies God says, you are mine, I want you. And the cross signifies God's willingness to suffer in order to redeem you and me. That he loves us enough that quite literally, he died for us. These are the two great symbols of Christianity that speak into our experience of darkness here on earth. And whether it be the pain of injustice, or the pain of broken relationships, or the pain of being broke, or the pain that comes from our own moral failures... And all of us have some of those, me too. No matter what your pain might be tonight, it feels like darkness. It feels like a tangled mess inside of our heart, and we need some light to shine, don't we? And so God punches through. And God's light i would like to suggest is probably a little bit more like a dimmer switch than it is an on-off switch we want it to happen right now we want it to happen yesterday but it's more like this dimmer switch that into the pain of our shame and guilt from our own personal failures god pours in the light of forgiveness and forgiveness and forgiveness and into the pain of our loneliness or the experience of abandonment or of rejection far from some person, God pours into us through Christ the light of his promise. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I won't do it. I'm for you. I'm not going anywhere. Into the pain of anxiety or depression, which I know so many people are struggling with, Perhaps even in this room, you could be struggling with that. And I will never make light of those things in here. They are very real, but my deep-seated conviction is slowly but surely over time, Christ's light can shine on that as well and begin to increase your hope, increase your sense of freedom, and it'll happen slowly as he gradually brings light into us as we spend a little bit more time with Christ. Each and every day he brings light into the darkest places. And then God's gift to us at Christmas is the gift of his presence to us right now. This final candle that we just lit in the Advent wreath is the light of Christ and specifically the light of Christ's love. The final candle is known as the light of Christ's love which is completely appropriate but because the nature of love is to draw near to another person, isn't it? Like, the, the very nature of love is to say, to the beloved, I choose to draw near to you. I choose to come to you when you're struggling. I choose to come to you and bear your burdens with you. That's the nature of love, isn't it? To draw near to the beloved. That's what we do for people in the flesh and blood, the, that we care about. And so also, the, this is what Christ does for us well, when he comes on Christmas... And when he draws near to us through his spirit again today, he gives us his presence. And he's present even right now with us today, as sure as you're sitting in your seats. Probably 10 years ago, I had a good, good friend named Chris whose brother had a heart attack behind the wheel. And he went off the road and he instantly died. And this was not only Chris's brother, but it was also his best friend. And fortunately, no one else was hurt, but my good friend Chris was brokenhearted at the loss of his brother. And so he came to my office. I was his pastor at the time, but more importantly, I was his friend at the time. And he uh, just wept in my office several days in a row. (laughs) He kept coming back, and we just spent time together a number of hours each day for several days. And I remember on one particular day, probably three or four days after his brother died he came into the office and he wept a full box of Kleenex and Chris wasn't really a hugger and I didn't know what to do I felt so helpless in the moment that anything I was saying wasn't doing anything for him and I wanted to help this friend of mine in the moment and so I just forced this guy who's not a hugger to stand up and I brought him to my arms And I said, I'm going to give you a hug. And I hugged him for several minutes, and I just whispered in his ear, I love you, Chris, and you're not alone in this. And God is for you, and he is with you, and we will get through this. He moved on in his life, and I did in mine. This was back in Colorado where I previously served and we don't get to connect with each other as much as we would like but he recently had open heart surgery himself because he has the same genetic issue that his brother did and so he proactively decided to have surgery and after his surgery um, i had an opportunity to go back to colorado and spend a day with him and uh, spend some time together and one of the things that we loved doing the most was walking and he was able to get up and go walk for a mile and we were catching up about family and marriage and all the rest and at one point he just stopped And he looked in my eyes, and he said, Adrian, I will never forget that you chose to draw near to me when I was sobbing on your office floor. And I I don't share that to say anything special in me. There's nothing special in me. I've seen you do that hundreds of times. In fact, like I said, I felt like there was nothing I could do But here's the nature of love it's giving your presence. It's choosing to draw near to the beloved. It's choosing to express that I am with you. We're different. Your pain is different than mine, but I'm with you. And that simple act that we do all the time for one another, that simple act that I sought to do by God's Spirit for my friend Chris, Christ does a thousand times over for us at Christmas. When he chooses to leave the glory of heaven and descend to the ordinary place of our lives on earth. Listen to verse 14 of chapter 1 of the book of John. The word of God became flesh the word is a word for Jesus here Jesus became flesh and he made his dwelling among us John 1 14 you'll see it up on the screen the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only son who comes from the father full of grace and full of truth That God chose to dwell among us, and if we ever wonder what God is like, we look no further than the person of Jesus who reveals God to us. He pitched a tent and dwelt in our neighborhood. That's what he chose to do. To express his love for you and me was the decision to offer his presence to us. I love the way the message paraphrase the Bible puts it. It says, The word became flesh and blood, and he moved into the neighborhood. (laughs) He pitches a little tent, and he moves into our neighborhood. He chooses to dwell in our village. He chooses to dwell in our pain. There is no pain that you have experienced that he hasn't gone through as well. He chose to make his dwelling amongst us for this very purpose. The word that is envisioned there in John 1.14 in dwelling is the tabernacle of God. If you've studied the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures at all, you know that God dwelled in the Old Testament within a certain place in the tabernacle of God, which was within the the temple in Jerusalem. And in that tabernacle was the Holy of Holies, the place where God would dwell. And only one person could go into the presence of God, and that person only one time per year. He was called a high priest. He was like the highest religious authority and he could go into the temple of God and make atonement for sins on behalf of the people. And they would tie a rope around his ankle such that if he went into the holy place and he wasn't clean, he might not come out. And what Jesus does when he comes to earth is he tabernacles among us. He makes his dwelling among us. It's the same word. He makes his dwelling in a tabernacle among us such that he went to the cross and you might remember that as he was on the cross there was a veil that separated the people from the temple and the holy place of God in the temple and what happened to that veil? It was cut in two. Which signifies for us the presence of God who is near to us no matter what we might be going through today. About 25 years ago, the lead singer of the band U2, a man named Bono, was on a world tour, and at the end of his world tour, he went to his homeland of Dublin, Ireland, and he decided on Christmas Eve to go to a worship service, perhaps much like this. And at that Christmas Eve worship service... He came to believe for the very first time that God left the glory of heaven and took on this idea of incarnation, that he became flesh and blood and dwelt among us. And he had a spiritual awakening of sorts in that moment in which tears came down his face and he reflected a short time later with these words. The idea that God would seek to explain itself is amazing. That it would seek to explain itself by becoming a child born into poverty and straw. A child. I just thought, wow, just the poetry of it all. I saw the genius of picking a particular point in time and deciding to turn the world on this. Love needs to find a form. Don't miss this. Love needs to find a form. Intimacy needs to be whispered. Love has to become an action or something concrete. It would have to happen. There must be an incarnation. Love must be made flesh. This is the nature of love. It's choosing to get up close and offer one's presence to the beloved to you and to me perhaps you've heard that God so loved the world that he gave have you heard that our God is a giver God so loved the world that on the first Christmas morning he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would not die but have everlasting life that whosoever actually trusts their self to him stops reigning over their own lives but says God would you reign over my life I choose to obey you I want to follow you those who actually believe that will not perish but have eternal life and God did not send his son into the world do you read it took it down I don't know what you brought in here But God didn't send his son into the world on that first Christmas morning to condemn you. God sent his son into the world on that first Christmas morning to love you, to save you, to bring you to himself, to light a candle in the darkness, to offer you his presence, both for today and for all of eternity. The question is merely will we have him will receive his Christmas gift pray with me Father I thank you so much for the gift of Christ on Christmas morning I know that outside of the gift of Christ I would be lost in my shame and guilt I have many reasons to feel shame and guilt but you Lord Jesus have punched through them all Thank you Lord Jesus that you chose to leave the glory of heaven to enter our ordinary lives and that after you lived a perfect life you suffered and you died for us and after you died for us you rose again in glory and after you rose again in glory you gave your Holy Spirit to be with us to be present with us even tonight. We give you praise and honor And Father, we'd ask that perhaps you would enter into our lives a little bit more through your Holy Spirit even tonight, that we would experience the light of God coming into the places that are dark in our world. I don't know what my friends are going through tonight, but I know that the answer to our suffering, the answer to the darkness that we experience is the gift of God that lasts both for now and for all of eternity. We love you, Lord. We're so grateful for your gift. And we see, we receive your presence, we receive your light again tonight through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.